Peace be upon you. So one of the common misunderstandings regarding the Quran that needs to be put to rest is that the Quran was originally and predominantly an oral recitation and only later was converted to written form. This falsity is often repeated by historians, orientalists, and scholars and is commonly propagated by the Muslim masses. Oftentimes you hear people make such claims that during the life of the Prophet, there was no written Quran. If such an understanding is to be accepted, this would imply that the written Quran was not part of the divine revelation. This understanding is inconsistent with logic, history, and most importantly, the verses of the Quran. The Quran references itself throughout the Quran as Al-Kitab. Kitab means a book or a scripture, and this indicates that one of the facets of the Quran is that it was intended to be written from day one. In Surah 2 verse 2 it says, This Kitab is infallible, a beacon for the righteous. So the fact that the Quran constantly references itself as a Kitab, something written, it's ironic if we say that, oh no, the Quran was not written, and this is not the predominant form of the Quran. Even the term Quran, it's often translated as recitation. And some people means that the Quran's foremost format is oral. But this is not correct. The word Quran comes from the same word as the word Ikra, which means to read, and more specifically, to read something written uh, out loud. So the word Quran inherently implies reading from something written. And if we look at the first revelation given to the Prophet, and this is chapter 96, verses 1 through 5, the first word is Ikra, read in the name of your Lord who created, he created man from an embryo. Read, and your Lord most exalted teaches by means of the pen, he teaches man what he never knew. So in the very first revelation, it's telling the prophet to read. And oftentimes people, oh no, this just means recite. Well, there's a fundamentally different word in Arabic for recite, it's atul. Atul means to just recite, you can do it off memory, but ikra specifically means reading off something written. And this is the reason that the, the, the verses connect. It says, read in your Lord most exalted, teaches by means of the pen. This is showing that the mechanism by which the Quran was revealed was actually in the written form that was meant to be recited. And we see that the function of the pen is in the second revelation of the Quran. This is Surah 68, Al-Qalam. It says, Noon, the pen, and what they, the people, write. So it's telling us that the function of the pen is to write. That the prophet, the first revelation was to read, and that God teaches by means of the pen. And the second revelation tells us that the function of the pen is to write. And naturally, a lot of people, the first pushback is they say, no, the prophet was illiterate. He couldn't read or write. And they twist the word ummi. And we've done several episodes on this. We see that the word ummi in the Quran means a Gentile and does not mean just someone who's illiterate. And the clear examples of this is chapter 3, verse 20 and 375. So let's read 375 first. It states, some followers of the scripture can be trusted with a whole lot and they will give it back to you. Others among them cannot be trusted with a single dinar. They will not repay you unless you keep after them. That is because they say, we do not have to be honest when dealing with the Gentiles. 
they thus attribute lies to God knowingly. So this word Gentiles, if we say they do not have to be honest when dealing with the illiterates, you will not find such a concept from the people of the previous scripture. But you do have the concept, like take the concept of uh, usury. The people of the previous scripture do believe that if someone is a Gentile, right, not of the children of Israel, that they can conduct usury with that individual. And we have no account of them saying you don't have to be honest when dealing with the illiterates. So this shows that the word ummi, it means a Gentile and not illiterate. But a more encompassing verse is in chapter 3, verse 20. In the Quran, sometimes when these multi-meaning words are used, God uses it in conjunction with its opposite so we can understand what the word means. So in chapter 3, verse 20, it says, If they argue with you, then say, I have simply submitted myself to God, I and those who follow me. And here we see the distinction. It says, you shall proclaim to those who receive the scripture, so that's one group, as well as the umiyin. So who are the umiyin? They're the opposite of those who receive the scripture. What's the opposite of one who receives scripture? It's not an illiterate, it's a Gentile. So the, the, the proper understanding says you shall proclaim to those who receive the scripture as well as the Gentiles. Would you submit? If they submit, then they have been guided. But if they turn away, your sole mission is to deliver this message. God is seer of all people. So this shows that the Arabs were not just illiterates. I mean, consider the verses in the Quran where God is saying part of the commandment is that you have to have scribes to write down a will. You have to have scribes to write down financial transactions and loans. God would not have imposed this upon the Arabs if they were incapable of it, right? This signifies that the, uh, the Arabs and the prophet himself knew how to read and write. And more specifically, that the Quran itself came originally in written form. All these details point to the importance of the written Quran from the very start of the revelation. But there's more. And even the contemporary adversaries acknowledge the written Quran when they were debating with the prophet. In chapter 25, verse 5, the opponents of the prophet, it says, they said, tales from the past he wrote down. They were dictated to him day and night. So this is signifying, again, a written Quran, that the adversaries were not objecting to just his recitation. They were objecting to the words of the prophet himself wrote down, that they were saying it was dictated to him day and night. Another example we see is that God tells the prophet that if he strayed away from the teachings, that he would seize him by the right hand. And you have to ask, what is the significance of the right hand here? So this is chapter 69, verse 44 through 47. It says, had he stated any other teachings, we would have punished him. And this expression is seized him by the right hand. We would have stopped the revelations to him. In some translations, you'll see that it says, sever him by the aorta. None of you could have helped him. So what's the significance that God is saying? That he would seize the prophet by the right hand if he uttered other teachings. So this shows that the Quran was not just the recitation, but was also the written form. God is telling us that if Muhammad was to write any other teachings, he would have seized him by the right hand thus effectively stopping him from being able to continue writing any more of God's revelations. And we see this expression regarding the right hand in chapter 29, verse 48, and the connection that the right hand has specifically with writing. 
So in chapter 29, verse 48 says, you did not read the previous scriptures, nor did you write them with your right hand. In that case, the rejectors would have had reason to harbor doubts. So the fact that the prophet did not read the previous scriptures, nor did he write them with his right hand, also signifies that he wasn't aware of the previous scriptures. He did not read them. He did not have knowledge of them. But he also did not write them with his right hand. So it's signifying that in the context of the previous scriptures, he did not write. And the fact that God is associating this again with the right hand is a connection from chapter 69, where God says, had he uttered any other teachings, we would have seized him by the right hand, showing that the function of calling out the right hand in the context of revelations is that this is what the prophet did. He wrote them with his right hand. So all this builds up that the Quranic revelation was just as much the written form as it was the recitation, that these two things come hand in hand. And the fact that the Quran references itself as kitab, something that is written, but we have additional verses referencing the written Quran in the Quran. In chapter 80, verse 11 through 16, it reads, Indeed, this is a reminder. Whoever wills shall take heed. In pages, suhuf, honorable, exalted, and pure, written by the hands of messengers, safirati, who are honorable and righteous. So this is saying that the uh, revelations were came down in pages, suhuf. These are written uh, pages, uh, exalted and pure, written by the hands of messengers. And in some translations, you'll see that the, the, the word here, messengers, uh, safaratin, uh, is uh, scribes. But this the word safar means someone who's traveling, who is also writing. But the fact that they're honorable and righteous, they're obviously serving the function of a messenger. And the word suhuf that's used in these verses is in reference specifically to pages. Another example of the written Quran mentioned in the Quran is in chapter 52, uh, verses uh, 2 and 3. This is in the name of God, most gracious, most merciful, Mount Sinai. The recorded scripture published in books. And the Arabic for this is what kitabin mastur. And kitab obviously means scripture. And mastur means something written. So in books written, then it says, fi raqqin manshur. And this means in pages, raqan, uh, manshur is something folded, or in this case, like put together, we can say published. So again, this is referencing the Quran, that it is a written book in pages, bound or published. So that's the second example of the Quran referencing itself as something being written. The third example is in chapter 33, verse 6. And what's noteworthy here is that this verse addresses the prophet as he's still living. So it'd be very strange to reference the written book during the time of the prophet if the prophet did not have the book itself written. So it reads, the prophet is closer to the believers than they are to each other, and his wives are like mothers to them. The relatives ought to take care of one another in accordance with God's scripture, Thus the believers shall take care of their relatives who immigrate to them, provided they have taken care of their own families first. And it states, these are commandments of this written scripture. So during the life of the prophet, it's giving this verse, 
and it's referencing itself as a written scripture. And this brings us to the next misconception. The narrative says that the Quran was not compiled until after the Prophet's death. And you'll see this narrative where uh, Abu Bakr, after the uh, Battle of Yamama, uh, 70 of the Qura, reciters of the Quran, died and he was panicking that the Quran would be lost. And he commissioned Zayd ibn Thabit to compile the Quran. And he says, how could I have done what the Prophet has never done? And then after initially refusing, he takes on the uh, task and he says, okay, he went and searched the uh, chest of men and the, the fragmentary bones and cloth and you know miscellaneous materials to collect the Quran. And then from there, they compiled the Quran. What this is claiming is that the Prophet did not compile the Quran during his life. That it was up to the companions to do this task. And what we see is that this is not the case if we do a careful analysis of the Quran. So in chapter 75, Verses 16 through 19, it reads, Do not move your tongue to hasten it. It is we who will collect it into Quran. Once we recite it, you shall follow such a Quran. Then it is we who will explain it. So this is a commandment given to the Prophet not to hasten his tongue, that it is God and his angels who will collect it into the Quran, and that once it is recited, then it's the Prophet's responsibility to follow such a Quran. If this task was not complete until after his death, then the Prophet would never be able to fulfill this obligation. So this shows that the Quran was complete, it was written during the life of the Prophet, and he was responsible for upholding it. So all these facts point to the fact that the Quran was written from day one. That the first revelation of the Quran, when it says read, ikra, it means to read out loud from something written. And even in this revelation, we see that God teaches by means of the pen. And in chapter 68, we see that the function of the pen is to write. And then we see that the prophet is threatened that if he deviated from what was revealed to him, that God would have seized him by the right hand. And we see in other verses that the function of the right hand was to write. And that even the opponents of the prophet, their complaint against him was that he was writing this with his own hand and it was being dictated to him. Meaning that the Quran, again, from its original inception, was always in written form as well as the recitation. And that these concepts, that the Quran was predominantly oral, that the written compilation didn't happen until after the Prophet's death, is a utter fabrication. It completely conflicts with the verses of God in the Quran. The Quran was written, it was compiled during the life of the Prophet. Now, do we have historical uh, backing for these claims? One of the interesting observations of the manuscripts, the earliest manuscripts of the Quran, is the sheer attention to detail when it comes to the spelling of words. If these were illiterate people, people would expect a lot more variety in the ways that certain words could be spelt. But we'll see that they're consistently spelt in ways that even oftentimes don't impact the recitation, showing that there was a deliberate effort to maintain the spelling of the Quran. And you would not expect this if the predominant form was just the oral recitation. The Dutch scholar in Arabic linguistics, Marian van Putin, who you can find on Twitter, has this awesome thread showing that despite the various manuscripts from all the different areas, that there is this specific attention to the spelling. And he gives these examples of words that are typically spelt differently, that don't impact the uh, recitation, 
But in the Quranic manuscripts, consistently, they will be spelt a specific way. And the only thing that makes sense from this is the fact that the spelling was a critical aspect of the Quran from day one. And the scribes did not want to deviate that even if they could spell something that phonetically would sound identical, that they stuck with the Arabic script as it was from the original. And this pushed uh, Western scholars who were critical of the narrative that the Quran came down in one revelation. And they used to think that this was a compilation of different books that were stitched together. Because of this attention to detail that the Quran has, they now believe, historically, again, they have no dog in the fight. They are not religious, that this all came from one original manuscript. And so the question is, okay, if the Quran was always in written form, do we have manuscripts dating to that time period to corroborate uh, this understanding? Currently, the oldest manuscript of the Quran is the Birmingham Quran, and it's dated during the life of the Prophet. Now, this is just one folio, and it's uh, chapters 18 and 19, uh, verses 17 through 31 on chapter 18 and 91 through 98 of uh, uh, chapter 19. And what's crazy is how accurate this Quran manuscript is in spelling to the ones we have today. And a good example of this is the expression Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Now this could be written with numerous more alifs, but you'll see it spelt with the exact same 19 letters we have today. That they're not spelling out the dagger alifs as standalone consonants. So the fact that the Quran spelling has been consistent during this whole time, even if it's just uh, you know this this one folio that we have, shows that there was a deliberate attention to even the spelling of the Quran in the manuscripts from the earliest manuscript we have. So the next considered earliest manuscript of the Quran is the Tashkent Quran. It's written in Kufic uh, uh, Arabic. And this one is carbon dated between 595 and 855. And the thing is, you know, carbon dating is not an exact science. But many people argued that this is actually the uh, Quran during the reign of Uthman that was uh, compiled and passed out. Now, that's debatable, but nevertheless, this consists of around 81% of the entire Quran we have that dates to the first century after the Prophet's death. The Topkapi manuscript is carbon dated between 651 and the mid-8th century. And this manuscript contains more than 99% of the Quran. Only a few pages are missing, constituting, I think, only about a dozen verses or so. And we have many more partial manuscripts being dated to the first century Hijra after the Prophet's death. And this shows that despite the fact that future generations put more and more emphasis on the recitation and less and less on the physical written form, that when the Quran was initially revealed, these two component parts were the same. You had the written form and you had the recitation. And these were not decoupled. That from day one, when the prophet was given the revelation, he was commanded to read it from something written and that God gave him the pen by which God teaches us and the prophet himself his revelations. That as he's writing them down, he's reciting them to the people. That these two components are joined together. You have the recitation and you have the mushafs, the written Quran. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys want to get in contact, please join us on our Discord server. We got lively discussions, uh, Quran studies, meditation, Quran recitation. Um, and it's a great place to meet other people. Uh, if you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran City app on the iOS app store. 
If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to cronsityapp.com website. And if you want more information, including notes from today's discussion, please go to the Cron Talk blog, where you can find notes from today's discussion, as well as many other topics. And until next time, peace and God bless.